Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Millions of Screens, IndieWire's TV industry-focused podcast. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined as always by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. On today's episode, we'll be talking about getting into the swing of Emmy season. And in the era of too much TV, is there too much, too much TV? Thank you, Libby, for that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say it right? Is that how it is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's that's what we much, landed on. Too much TV. Essentially, we're going to be talking about how long a lot of television episodes are. Too long. This is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Well, guys, last week we got a little more info on Ryan Murphy's Netflix event series. Hollywood. The Amazing Stories trailer also dropped. Um, we've already gotten the Little Fires Everywhere trailer. So I guess my question a to you. A few of them. A few. <laughs> so I guess my question to you is, how does all this sort of spark the lead up to Emmy season? Well, it makes me realize I'm not ready for it <laughs> in what any way, shape or form. Um, it's interesting to see what networks are positioning as their as their big players as we head into the final quarter of Emmy eligibility. Emmy eligibility, of course, ending on May 31st. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's that's choosing to to position itself that way. I, I mean, I think that biggest news is that Hollywood um, from Netflix and Ryan Murphy will be out in May. Um, I mean, and there's a lot of things, there's a lot of limited series angling for that position as well. Nat Geo's Aretha, uh, Genius Aretha Franklin series is going to air in four nights, uh, four consecutive nights beginning May 25th, Memorial Day. So it's just- Just it's under the wire. Just, just under the wire. Barely they wanna, they, I mean, they wanna, they wanna maximize that. As far as nominations go, it, it worked for When They See Us last year, so. Worked well for Chernobyl. And and especially in limited series, that that is, that is absolutely what played out last year is that there were a lot of great limited series that released honestly in the end of 2018, but it was those series that were released closer to the end of eligibility that that really uh, saw benefit from that. Which concerns me for Netflix is unbelievable, which came out in the back half of 2019. But stranger things have happened, and it's great. Yeah, it's interesting that Netflix, as always, will be pushing a bunch of stuff out at the end of May to, you know, get it right in front of voters right before they vote, um, or at least as close as possible to right before they vote, uh, while still two of their biggest projects have been out forever, and they'll still have to figure out ways to maximize that, like their campaign. So you've got The Crown running for drama series, and you've got Unbelievable running for limited series, both of those are huge Emmy contenders this year and, and huge priorities for Netflix. So um, it should be exciting to see how those kind of go toe to toe with the newcomers and the, right. whether uh, they suffer for it or, you know, kind of gain momentum from being heralded for so long. And we'll see the same thing with Amazon and Mrs. Maisel, which is a position they've always been in. But um, 
not having, not coming off of the immediate high of the 2019 Emmys because of Fleabag, it'll be interesting how much of their momentum carries over. Yeah, and it's exciting to see kind of the some of the shows that are at least big prestige TV projects uh, that that should be or will be Emmy contenders. Uh, just see how their positioning kind of shakes out. Um, you know, AMC launched Better Call Saul on Sunday and Monday nights. That's a perennial contender does very well in the nominations. It hasn't been able to crack through for the big wins just yet, but it is in its penultimate season. Um, the drama category uh, with Succession and The Crown probably being the leaders at this point is a little more open than normal. Right. So maybe they can make a push with uh, with another strong season. But then you've got new stuff, uh, riskier stuff like... Uh, devs on fx on hulu however we want to say that which is uh alex garland's new show Uh, it'll be out next week but it's getting that kind of early march launch date uh and running through the beginning i think the beginning of may because it's eight episodes two episodes in the first week so i think it'll hit like right up until that last month uh before voting uh eligibility closes but um but it's it's a riskier show like it's a show that isn't going to be for everybody in the world. Alex Garland doesn't really make projects that are for a huge wide audience to just kind of kick back and enjoy. Uh, But hopefully it settles into some people's bones a little bit and they keep thinking about it. And I think that that's kind of the strategy on FX's side. They're like, we're going to give them going to give people time to write about it, give people time to talk about it, give people, give people time to kind of consume this thing um, and hopefully it just it just hits the right nerve and can carry over into some tech categories or maybe a little more. Which is interesting because I think they're t- kind of taking that same that same route with their limited series, Mrs. America, mm-hmm. um, which obviously stars Kate Blanchett and a whole host of female stars focusing on uh, the struggle for the Equal Rights Amendment. Um, that's premiering on FX on Hulu on April 15th. So as that is, I believe, coming out, um, I think they're dropping the first two episodes on April 15th and then moving to a weekly rollout. Three. Three on the first day and then six, uh, one per week for six weeks. So then that'll take them through the end of May and hopefully people will be riding high on that show as they head into voting. Yeah, that one's definitely the the favorite child among the FX brand. <laughs> the FX on yeah. Hulu brand. FX on Hulu brand of limited series. Yeah. Uh, also, then you got to you got to get that this thing on a billboard at some point uh, for devs uh, really settles into your bones. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's uh, I'm sure that's exactly what they're looking for. It's it's a very eerie show. Like, it's just something that um, I found I found mesmerizing, like just in literally watching it. It's very hard to stop watching it, uh, even though it's very carefully paced. Uh, it's not a flashy, big, hugely dramatic show, though there are a lot of twists and turns. Uh, it just asks for a lot of kind of mental investment. And I think that by putting it out at the beginning of March and letting it exist in the ecosystem longer, that gives it a better chance to be appreciated by the people who will appreciate it. Um, whereas Mrs. America being, you know, front loaded with stars and topical, um, commentary and and subject matter, then it, it should be able to just hit that sweet spot right when voting is happening. So which premiered on Friday.
and has a 90 minute pilot. And I think yes. and then I think Libby, you were talking about sort of the the fatigue after watching what is essentially a, a film right. as a prequel to a series that you're just like, oh, I watched I watched that and I feel content. Right. I don't know if I have to watch uh, some other episodes. And then you had to watch other episodes because you were going to be going to a junket yes. for Hunters. And you realized that the episodes themselves after this longer pilot are also longer than an hour. Yes. I, I think that there is that the art of the episode runtime is being lost uh, in the age of streaming. You guys can't see this, but she she took out her monocle and put it on the table <laughs> right as she said the art. And I'm like, I'm like, I am, I am gesticulating wildly as I, as I speak about this. Didn't want to break that glass. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's no programming blocks. There's no commercials. There's nothing to stop you from making your thing as long as you need it to be. Right? As long as you think you need it to be. Oh, twist. Right. Uh, That's the thing is like your episode doesn't have to be that long. Like you think you're making it contemplative, but in reality, you are you are sucking all of the propulsiveness out of it. Um, and this is not a Hunter's specific problem. It's just the show that I watched most recently that ran into this problem. Uh, after the first 90 minute episode, there is no other episode of Hunters that I've seen thus far that is under an hour. That's too long generally to watch people torture uh, each other. It's just it's just not enough. And it turns out it turns into you trying to do too much in one episode. I think a lot of the I think a lot of the Hunters episodes have an A, B and a C story set in the past. That's too much. Uh, you're juggling too much. You're trying to you're trying to make that those episodes too dense, and um, your show suffers for it. Uh, you and I, I, I think this is this is particularly egregious in in streaming shows with the binge model because watching if you would watch Hunters straight through those first five episodes, six episodes, it would just it 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 would last forever. Um, as opposed to if you were getting them week by week, uh, each episode would be long, but you would have time to sit with it, to mull it over. Um, but even so, looking at things on FX, like last year, FX's limited series, Fosse Verdon, regularly went over its hour-long slot with like 57-minute episodes, which with commercials, like, is, is egregious. And I, I just, I think television is suffering. Um, you know, Martin Scorsese is one of the best filmmakers in the world. And even when he makes a three and a half hour film, uh, you have to deal it's with perfect. it. Like, it's it's perfect, uh, but just barely. Well, I think, I think steering it back to TV, one of the things that, especially with Hunters, where I feel the runtime hurts the show is, is as you mentioned, in the, in the accumulation, like... The cumulative effect of having all those episodes stretch, even even if it was five minutes too long, right. it could probably be cut by ten minutes an episode if you really were ruthless about it. Um, I mean, <laughs> I could get a saddle in fifteen out of each of those episodes. You cut this thing down to a half hour show, um, but no, like I think when you're 
when you're in a world uh, that does focus so heavily on a lot of violence, like uh, just uh, there's a lot of torture scenes, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of tension, um, and the show itself does try to relieve that within the narrative by adding uh, silly little cutaways or comedic moments or um, even just kind of extending some of the harder scenes in order to kind of book in them with the the gravity that they 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 can hold that 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 like especially the Holocaust flashbacks that 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 carries they want to give time as a form of respect, um, but especially when it comes to the comedic moments, Hunters is a good example of not incorporating those moments into the natural flow of the story, but adding them to the story itself. So there's I think we mentioned this last or I think I mentioned this last week. The commercials that they have, the kind of fake commercials that they add at least a few times during the show are kind of humorous transitions meant to pop the bubble and explain a little bit and clarify a certain point or two that's been made in the show, um, such as when they were referencing how the American government invited ex-Nazis into the country and they wanted to make clear that this really did happen. This isn't just part of the show, considering a lot of the show is fictionalized. Um, and that's fine. Like you can, you can do that if you're efficient with the rest of your time, but when you're just kind of throwing it in, then the soup starts to boil over and it's just too much. Like it, it, it is, it just, it weighs down the whole thing so that no matter how you watch it, whether you watch it one at a time or whether you watch it in a binge, by the time you're done, you're going to feel like you ate a 10 course meal when it could have been a seven course meal, like the portions just weren't controlled. Yeah. It, well, it goes back also. And, and I like, I think I like hunters. Uh, I think Ben and I both like hunters about the same about a B. I might go B plus, but it, it works against the purpose of the show, which is I think trying to feel very grindhouse. Um, but if you look back at those films, at, at those grindhouse films outside of obviously grindhouse yeah they're all very compact they're very short they are 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 smashing their uh sometimes literally their their gore and their punch and all of that into very compact packages of about a 90 minute film typically because their budgets were small and they couldn't afford to sort of exactly fill them with bloat exactly so They've they've created, like Ben said, they've created this sort of impossible task for themselves. They want to include the flashbacks to the Holocaust, which are in their own way very well done. But you that doesn't you can't cross cut a, a Schindler's List with faster pussycat kill kill like because it it doesn't work that way. And so because they need to give everything more room, it does become bloated and becomes less of a of a propulsive grindhouse film. And um, it's disappointing because I see what they were going for. But again, it reminds me of a lot of people's criticisms to Jojo Rabbit, which is that dissonance between the Holocaust and then comedic elements and how that balance has to be just right to the extent that some people think it can't be done at all. But I, you know, this is not 
exclusively a hunter's problem. Like I've, I've had this issue there, especially with, uh, I would say auteur directors. There are, are some shows that their episodes just run too long. Is there any concern for any of these producers slash directors who are putting shows together that like, if these things aren't running on the streaming service on which they were on, if there is a second windowing that they then have to get edited down into like, I mean, internationally, there's Netflix International, so it doesn't matter. But like there are various distribution deals where like this thing might not might air where it has to fit into a pocket. I feel like or is that going away? I feel like that might still happen. I feel like it happens less often with especially streaming stuff. And since a lot of when it's their Since original, just about everything is a streaming thing at this point, uh, because then they have distribution worldwide so they can control it. Um, but usually that's somebody else who hacks it up. Um, like the director just said, like, well, this is what I did. And if they're going to license it, then I guess they can do whatever they want with it. <laughs> I mean, I heard that um, that episode of the Conan O'Brien podcast when he was talking to Tina Fey and they talked about the 30 Rock episodes, how those were already at like a tight 22, 23 minutes because of airing on NBC. Mm-hmm. But when they get went into syndication, they would just be cutting out little sections at the end of each punctuation of each scene. They'd speed up like the way that certain lines were said in post Weird. to try to fit in an extra minute of commercials per episode. Like they do that all the time. They did that with friends. They did that with, they do that with a lot of the stuff that ends up in syndication. Um, and I think Tina said that, you know, she'd reached out to be like, can we not do like, it's already really fast and already really tight. Could we right. not fuck with it? Um, and I don't know if there's an actual recourse for that because when you license something out like that, I, I think usually they can do what they need to with it. So, um, the interesting thing to me is is kind of a a twofold hand in hand problem in that the devil's advocate position that I have toward every time people complain about episode length is that hey the, <laughs> the only people I hear complain about episode length are people in the industry hey I have like my friends have never come to me and been like wow that was too long they say that if the show was bad they'll be like well that, I didn't need to watch all that that was like I can't believe I watched ten episodes of that shitty show. But if they like the show, they don't care. And I think that the Wait, counter... Wait, you have friends who watch 10 episodes of a show they don't like? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're focusing on the wrong thing here. Like, tell me more about these people. Well, usually it's when I make them watch shows. Like, okay. Like that's, that's, oh, because you made them all watch What If. What If. Yeah. And then they were well, like... No, oh. no one ever complained about What If because it was great. No one ever um, watched it. That's so mean. Uh, but no, like, I think the the... The counter to that is is looking at the story that you are actually trying to tell and having respect for that story. I think that a lot of people get carried away with the episode runtimes and don't care about them because they know now that they don't have a restriction. And they think that the only reason there was a restriction was because of how it was being broadcast. Right. And they're like, well, I have to do it because they only have that much of a time slot in their Friday nights for me to fill. And now it's streaming so they can, they're like, well, I don't need to worry about that. I can do as, as long as I want, uh, so long as I come in under budget. <laughs> yeah. So long as I'm not spending more than I'm allowed to on the actual production. Uh, but no, it's it's to the point that Libby made about the art of the episode itself. They're, these are, in the serialized medium, there are episodic arcs and those arcs need to be respected. They can't be stuffed too big 
Otherwise, they lose their effect. And then the cumulative effect of the entire arc of the first season and thus the series is right. distorted because they're not respecting the individual pieces that are building it. It's just like in film school when they try to teach you to write and make a really good scene, a really good short before you start trying to make a feature. Um, you have to respect those individual moments enough to understand how they add up for everyone's viewing experience. And the people who don't notice it because they like it, you're doing enough things right where people are still going to go with it, but you could be doing things better and you should always want to do things better. Right. I think that there is, uh, and and I think the reason Hunters is obviously getting the brunt of this, which isn't fair because this is something- Just the most recent example. It's just the most recent example. So it's top of mind. We were talking about it and, and the things, the shows that made me notice it, honestly, were- Fargo, which uh, averages 53-minute episodes, but that's on FX, so it's definitely not neatly fitting into an hour slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed on True Detective, which I found online, uh, True Detective episodes range from 54 to 87 minutes. Um, and and what you see, what I see more than ever is, is there are a lot of times where these auteur drama makers who are disproportionately white men are given free ma- free reign to enact their vision when something that we overlook is is editing is such an important part of a story and you can't be afraid to to edit to bring an editor in to tweak that story um i just think that we could have gotten even better television in some of these senses. If if a if if a cunning editor could have come in and and tightened things up a little bit. Television is a collaborative medium. Yes. And it needs to be respected as such throughout every step of the process. And if people have ideas in which they can tighten and enhance a story, those should be respected. Uh, at the same time, I will say the thing that I always say whenever I talk about long episodes, in that two of the best episodes of television ever made are technically very long episodes the leftovers season two finale and the leftovers series finale both of which clock in over 70 minutes i will say this i i will give special allowances to a certain extent with premieres and finales um particularly series finales mm-hmm. um just because it's all it's it's a lot to ask of a person to begin a story and to end a story so if you need more room on those um that makes sense to me. In general, as a rule, those are utilized better than than um, like your sixth episode being 61 minutes long. Well, at the risk of finding ourselves guilty of the same crime we're railing against, we should probably wrap up this episode. No, what do we do. Huh? What are we at now? I'm say I'll say we're at two <laughs> two and a half quibbies. You should just. <laughs> You should just end the episode like mid-sentence as soon as we hit 30 minutes exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, no, no, no. That's it. That's and all the time you get. Speaking uh, of quibbies, Libby. No. Okay. Just <laughs> want to make sure Libby does not have a show on Quibi yet. Would we be the first person? Like the first people you told? If you got I mean, we'd probably show? get the the press blast, wouldn't we? Or no, I, I guess hope you would tell, you tell us before, before, before a fucking press release came out. <laughs> it's like when Jesus. I got hired. <laughs> that would be... 
Yeah, that would suck. It comes 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 through the wire. Like Quibi announces new show. I have a story for you after we're off air. I'll I'll look over like Uh, Olivia's not in the office today. I guess this must be true. All right, uh, millions of screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts from the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor in chief is Dana Harris Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel, and our executive editor is Anne Donahue. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens, at Midwest Spitfire, at Ben T. Travers, and at Leo Adrian Garcia. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. So please, if you can, leave a review and a rating. I think it helps. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.